Amen, amen. Well, as our ushers receiving that, remember next week we have partnership class. You need to sign up. What is that? Well, that's how you learn more about the church and you come into partnership with us. Uh, next Wednesday night, the 18th, our discipleship is going to start that class. That's for uh, just, just the believers to get a solid foundation. It's very important that we get a solid foundation. That's next Wednesday night also. Now, all you ladies, you are invited on Friday night to the, the kickoff of the, the ladies' ministry meeting here. It'll be a good night. Also, check your bulletin. There are a lot of things that are beginning to, to get ready to being cranked back up. A lot of connect groups. And so check those and see which ones that you may be interested in. I promise you they're good. All right. Praise God. Praise God. Go with me tonight to the book of Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. Now we've been talking about obedience over and over and over. And we're going to talk about it a little more. Luke 14. If you've ever studied the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28. The first uh, 14, 15 verses talk about the blessings of God. The next through about 16 through, I want to say, 68 or 9, talking about the curses. And when you read Deuteronomy, there's three key, key words in Deuteronomy 28. They are if, then, and but. The if is, if you do my commandments, then these blessings shall come upon me. But if I don't obey these commandments, then the curses come upon me. And so right here... There becomes a responsibility in what I choose. Obedience is something that every one of us either choose to do or not to do. Now, what we need to understand tonight is we appropriate the blessings of God by obeying. I believe obedience is the key that unlocks the things of the kingdom. And so there, there's blessings that come to us when we obey. But I'm going to tell you also. There's severe consequences when we disobey. Now, I don't like to read those curses in Deuteronomy 28, but they're in there. And I understand fully that when I don't obey the things of God, there's opportunity for these to happen. Now, I want you to look in Luke chapter 14, and we're going to begin reading tonight in verse 25. And Jesus right here, for me and you, he's going to define the cost of discipleship. And for that to happen, that means I must submit my interest in favor of God's interest. I must surrender. Verse 25. Now, great multitudes went with him, and he turned and he said to them, If anyone who comes to me and does not hate, and does not hate his father, his mother, his wife, and his children, brothers and sisters, Yes, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciples. Now that word there, hate, that he brings up there, guys, that's not a commandment or a, a statement of fact. But what Jesus is getting to is he is looking for allegiance. Who are we going to say is number one in our life? Who do we give first place in our life? And that means, if you'll look there, not to my father and mother. That does not mean we dishonor them. My wife, my children, my brothers and sisters. And look at the last part. Yes, and his own life. So you know what he's telling me here? I must be more loyal, more sold out to Jesus than any human being 
including myself. Ooh, that's big right there. Now, if you'll notice, that's red-letter words. Jesus is saying that. Keep reading, verse 27. And whoever does not bear his cross, if you'll notice that, he didn't say whoever does not bear my cross. He said, whoever does not bear his cross. And, and we're talking about any times when, when we talk about a cross, he's telling us there we got to die to some things. And I believe some of the stuff we got to die to is we got to renounce the, the self-centeredness in our lives. That we're always on the top of our list. And, and he tells us uh, to, to pick up our cross. You know what that tells me? There's going to be some suffering. There's going to be some pain that I'm going to have to go through on this journey called Christianity. And so he says, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me. Come after me is a choice. You know, there in James 4, 8, it says that if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. That's what he's talking about. See, I got a purpose in my heart every, every day. I'm coming after you today, Lord. I'm seeking you. Woo, I'm hungry for the things of God. And he says, let him come after me. They cannot be my disciples. Verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower, does he not sit down first and count the cost? Whether he has enough to finish it, least after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. And so he's telling us here, to build this tower, to build a building, it's going to be very costly. Verse 30, and they mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Now, when we look at this, he's telling us here, listen, don't start something that you're not going to finish. And we must understand fully that there are no benefits to just starting something. In other words, we got to say, okay, Father God, I'm going to go after this with all my heart, with all my might, all my power. I'm going to seek you all the days of my life. Verse 31. Or what king going to make war against another king does not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is still a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks conditions of peace. So he's saying here first, he said, if you're going to build, it's going to be costly. If you're going to wage a war, it's probably going to be dangerous. Now, I believe what Jesus is telling this right here is, is he's letting us know to follow him, it's going to cost you. To follow him could be dangerous. But oh, I believe he's telling us, man, is it not worth it? Keep reading, verse 33. So likewise, whoever you who does not forsake all that he has, his self-interest, they cannot be my disciples. They cannot be my disciples. So you know what Jesus is looking for? He's looking for total commitment. He's looking for ones that'll say all in. And you know, if you've ever watched the Texas Hold'em things, I mean, when they really mean business, you know what they do? They move all in. They realize, this is it. There is no going back now. And I believe that's what the Lord wants to get us to that point where we say, Father God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to be totally committed to you in every area of my life. Now look into Luke chapter 21. We're going to look at a couple passages in Luke tonight. Luke chapter 21. Ah, Jesus gives us some great insight. We'll just continue to read his word and study his word. Luke 21, I'm going to begin in verse 34 here. 
Luke 21, verse 34, and it says, But take heed to yourself. One translation says, Be on guard. Least your hearts be weighed down. Now, when we talk about this, he's talking about here, this is why, guys, we gotta, we got to be on guard to ourselves. This is where self-control and self-discipline comes in. And I say, you know what, Father God? I'm going to be on guard every day. I'm going to look to you every day. So that we're what? He said, so that we're not weighed down. Now, what did he say here would weigh us down? Well, let's read this. The first thing he said is being weighed down with carousing. That word carousing, you know what it means? It means self-indulgence. It means dissipation. And when we get over in, self, in self-indulgence, where my whole life is always about me, it's going to weigh me down. Look at the second thing he discusses here. Drunkenness. Wow. Now underline that one. That's one of the big things in our society right now is a thing called drunkenness. And you know, I'm just going to tell you right now, I, I, I believe my stand, my heart on this is God's not against people drinking a glass of wine. God's not against people drinking a, a beer. But God is against people when you start getting drunk. And you know what? Being a former drunk, I understand what it is to be drunk. I understand what it is to, to begin to have a buzz. I understand those things fully. And so there's a fine line there, and I shouldn't even say it's a fine line. There's a line there that God distinguishes here that drunkenness is not a good thing. Now, I'm not condemning anyone, guys. I, you know my past. I'm a former drunk, a slobbering drunk. Jack Daniels, Johnny Walker, they were my buddies for years. But not no more. Now, here's the question. I had a guy ask me one day about this. When he got over on talking about drinking, and I said, listen, I've, I've never said from the pulpit that God's against you having a glass. And I have never have. But I said, let me ask you a question. Do you ever get drunk? And now here was the response. No. Well, only when I go to the, the tech football games and I tailgate with my buddies. Only on my birthday. Only on our company Christmas party. And then obviously, pastor, on New Year's Eve. But I look right there, and there's no asterisk again that says, well, you know, you got five free days. You can do whatever you want. Just go and get slobbered. Just get tore up. Get just ripped, okay? There's none of that in there, okay? And so I must look at what Jesus is saying here, and he talks about this. Actually, another thing that always stands out to me is Romans 14, 21. And it starts talking about things that we can do that causes other people to stumble. And one of the exact things it lists in, in Romans 14, 21, is you can cause people to stumble with a glass of wine. And so this is big as a Christian that I look and I think, I don't want to make anybody else stumble. Because if I do... Guess what? There's going to be a day I'm going to stand before the Lord and He's going to look and He's going to say, because of your actions, you caused these people to stumble. Now, I can tell you right now, if, if me and Shelly were eating at Carino's and you and your family and your teenage kids came in one night and Shelly had, and I'm going to put her name in there, this is good. <laughs> she's, got, she's got this mega, she's got this mega big old schooner 
of, of a margarita, and she's sitting there with her straw just sucking it down. I know you laugh because you can't see her doing that because I can't see her doing it. Period. But your teenage kid does. And you know what would happen in their mindset? They'd say, well, if, if pastor does that stuff, then I can do it. Now, what Apostle Paul has said to us, he's taken us to another level as believers. Boy, i got to move on. That's not what I'm wanting to get to. And so, look at this. Read this, okay? And so he says, carousing, drunkenness, and the cares of this life. The worries, the anxieties. Now, think about this. What are the cares, the worries, the anxieties of every one of our lives? Food, what we're going to eat, clothing, and I'll guarantee you got to throw in money. How are we going to pay the bills? How are we going to make it? And so he's saying there, these things can weigh every one of us down. Now, in this passage right here, what he's talking about in verse 34, the cares of this life, that, that day will come on you unexpectedly. It'll come on you like a thief in the night. Listen what the message translation says for all that. Parties, drinking, and shopping. That's what the message translation says for every one of those three things I just read. Party, drinking, and shopping. And so he warns us here that, that this will come upon us as a thief in the night. Keep reading verse 35. For it will come as a snare or a trap on all those who dwell on the face of the whole earth. And so what he's talking about here, it's going to be a surprise. People are going to say, I didn't think he really meant he was coming back one day. He is. Verse 36. Watch, therefore, and pray that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things that will come to pass and to stand before the Son of Man. Now right here, do you think Jesus would tell us to discipline ourselves to watch and to pray if there wasn't a reason for us to watch and to pray? I believe he's tipping us off, guys, right here. And so one thing that I begin to see in this whole thing is Jesus doesn't want us to become lethargic spiritually. He doesn't want us to do that. Now, go back to your left just a little bit to, to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. This will give us another insight of something right here that we've got to see tonight. Luke 17, verse 26. And, it was, and as it was in the day of Noah, so, so shall it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. So how was it in the days of Noah? Well, look at verse 27. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Now what I'm telling you here, right here is they enjoyed a good time. And if you'll notice in that, everything that was mentioned in the days of Noah's there was not one thing mentioned of them having anything to do with God. Everything was centered around us. Guys, I look at our society and that's how it is right now. It's amazing when I see people who hadn't been in church in a long time and I say, and I've missed you. You know what they say? We're busy. We're busy. We're tired. 
We work all week. Well, welcome to the NFL. Who doesn't? And so I look and I think, see, I can give that excuse, but one day I'm going to stand before God and I'm going to look at Him and say, I was too tired to get involved in the things of God. I was too tired at church. That ain't going to fly, guys. I hate to tell you, but it's going to be a glorified bong. Jesus is going to bong and say, out. Keep reading. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on that day that Lot went out of Sodom, on that very day, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Now, you look and you say, well, is there something wrong for us to eat? Something wrong to drink, to buy, to sell, to plant and build? No. God understands that. But when we alienate God from our lives, and we don't give Him an opportunity to be a part of every day, I looked in Noah, you know what happened? They were all destroyed, except eight of them. In, in Lot's life, they were all destroyed from that region of that city, but four of them. And then remember the fourth one, Lot's wife, when she was leaving, she took a pig back. She became a pillar of salt. But look what he goes on to say in the very next verse, verse 30. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Even so. Even so, so you know what he's telling us? Just as the things happened in Noah's time and just as the things of Lot happened, it's going to happen even so with us. And you can read the rest of that passage and it talks about all the different scenarios of life that will be taking place. But I'm telling you, when he comes back, it'll be for good. It'll be for eternity. Remember, if you've ever studied the story of Noah... It took him 120 years to build a ship. That's a big ship. A lot of animals. But every day the people would go by and they would mock him. And they'd say, listen, dude, you build that, there ain't, there, there ain't no lake around here. How are you even going to get that? They mocked him and ridiculed him. See, that's what will happen. And that's the pain, that's the suffering that we'll go through as believers. There are going to be people mock you. How many of you have ever been mocked for being a Christian? Man, in my old workplace, I was mocked every day. I would, they would call me a jack-legged preacher. That, I mean, just the craziest things for being a believer. I remember one day that I was driving around in my work truck, and the whole morning, almost every traffic light, people were honking at me. I was thinking, what are you guys honking at me for? Well, I got back at the office at lunch, and I got around my pickup, I walked around the back, and I looked, and the whole rear tailgate of my pickup was nothing but pornography material. They taped it all over my truck. And you know what? They were wanting a reaction, and they didn't get one. I thought, ah, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I can't change what people do. And so guess what? You're going to be mocked. You're going to have things happen. That's okay. Now, the rest of the evening, let's go to the back of the Bible there to 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. That's way back there in the back. 1 John 2, and as you're turning there, here's what, here's what the Scriptures we need to understand. There are things in this world 
that are vital to our existence. God knows that. That's legitimate. That's not what He's telling us once again. But when I become dominated by these things of the world, when I allow these things to begin to weigh me down, then it's no longer legitimate, it's illegitimate. It's now started running my life. You know, you, you'll see people that will do that in the area of, of, of finances. Many people, you know, and I'm not against people working two and three jobs. I've had to do that to make ends meet before. But to do it for things, just for things, I'm going to tell you, it shows you, man, I've allowed the world to start dominating me. Now, here we are, 1 John 2. Begin with me in verse 15. Do not love the world or the things, the goods in the world. Do not love the world or the things, the good in the world. Now, the world he's talking about here, guys, isn't referring to the physical makeup of our world. But you know what it's referring to? The world here is referring to the dominion of Satan. How do you know that? Well, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says that it addresses the devil as the God of this age, as the God of this world. How did he become the God of this world? When Adam and Eve did what they did, they basically sold the authority that God had given them to the devil. So you know what? He has a lease here on earth. He has a right to be here. And he'll be here until Jesus comes back. And so when you talk about the world, this is a, a, an ordered system that the devil himself is governing behind the scenes in the spirit realm. How, how can I say that biblically to prove it to you? Well, Ephesians 6.12 says that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Who was that? Those are all the fallen demons that are with the devil. Those are the third of the angels that rebelled against God and God gave them the right foot of fellowship and booted them out. And so that's who all these guys were talking about. And so when we refer to the, Bi uh, refer to the world in the Bible, it's talking about the devil's system here, guys. Now, when we're, we're, we're creatures here of the earth, of this world. And so for me to not live under his jurisdiction, you know what that means? I've changed my, my uh, nationality. I'm no longer because of salvation. When I gave my heart to Jesus, I said, you know what? I live in this place, but I'm not a citizen of this place. I'm a citizen of heaven. You're a citizen of heaven. And so I live by the rules of the kingdom of God, which is the word of God. Keep reading here with me. I'll try to make this a little plainer. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the, the love of the Father is not in him. And you know what that tells me? If I love the world more than Father God, the things of the world are going to literally squeeze the things of God out of my life. If I love God more than the world, then the things of God are going to help me to squeeze the things of the world. In my life. That's why it's important that I become disciplined. That's important when I spend time with God. That I, oh man, I, I, I get full of the Holy Ghost. I pray in the Spirit. I seek God on a daily basis. That, that, that there in the Psalms, it talks about that we should delight in His commandments. It's a delight in obeying. And so this is priority now. 
Keep reading here, verse 16, for it gets really good here. For all that is in the world, this is the makeup of the world, is number one, the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh. The craving for self-gratification. The lust of the flesh. Now, you know what? We go around the room, and every one of us in here, we may have a different craving for our flesh right now. I mean, some of us would crave food. Some of us right now would crave a, a, a cup of coffee. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I say that because I have had no coffee for 10 or 11 days now. Straight water, man. And I'm telling you, my flesh, when it's real cold, it pouts. It pouts like a little baby today. It pouted and pouted. I said, shut up, you're drinking hot water. But we could go around the room and every one of us, we crave different things. Whether it's food, whether it's, you know, believe this or not, a lot of men crave, we crave football. We go into withdrawal symptoms in, in March and April, you know, and so, so he's talking about this. The lust of the flesh, the gratifications of it. The second thing, he says, the lust of the eyes. The lust of the eyes. Now think about what that would be. I think that most of us, when we, we look at things through our eye, we lust for things, whether it's money. I think probably the two main things that we would lust for as human beings is money. Woo, we lust for money. And if you're not careful, your mind is money, 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 money. You know, man, you get your mind set on that. and You go for that day after day after day after day. The second thing, and this is an easy one to me, is sexual gratification. We are society bombarded by sexual stuff. I mean, just constantly, constantly. So he deals, first of all, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and look at the last one. He talks about here the pride of life. The pride of life. I looked at as many references I could, and one says that it's the assurance of one's own resources. The new, the new international version says... The boasting of what he has or what he does. So the, the pride of life is this. We, we have so many things that we become very prideful. And we say, you know what? I don't need God. I, I got everything I'll ever need. And so we boast of the things we accumulate. See, someone who thinks they have life by the tail, that's very prideful. I don't need God. But then the second one. We boast even of what we do. In other words, I don't need God. I'm a lawyer. I'm a whatever, and you can fill in the blank. And so he deals right here. Now, these three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, these all three are the basis of all sin. Right here is, is where sin gets its basis from. And so in studying this, I, I can't love Father God, and I can't love... The world at the same time. It's not going to happen. Even though I live in this world. Read it again. For all that is in the world is the lust of the eyes, or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not, is not of the Father, does not come from the Father, but is of the world. But is the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So he says there, it's not of the Father, but it's of the world. So you know what that tells me? The person behind those three things 
is the devil. He's going to try to channel that after me and you on a daily basis. He goes after our children on a daily basis. He goes overboard to attack our teenagers. How do you know that? Well, think about the scripture, and I wish I could quote it right at the top of my head. Someone may be able to help me. But it says, flee youthful lusts. Flee youthful lust. So much of the garbage that takes place in our life, when does it happen? When we're teenagers. When did I start smoking a lot of dope? When I was a teenager. Pastor, you smoked a lot of dope? Yeah, a lot more than I should have. Thank God my mind's still in contact. When we start getting, when, when, when we start drinking, in my own life, guys, I started drinking when I was 12. And so you look at all the things that are birthed in our, think about your own life. The things that have tried to become stronghold in your life, or, or that stays within you, has followed you. Think about that. When was that birth? Normally it's in our teenage years. And so the things of the world, he tries to bombard them. You know, they say that in MTV right now, there is their target is for 8 to 10 year olds. You know why? Because they know when we get them at this age, we got them. We got them. And so the whole process of the world is funneling by the devil. Everything that we see. And so that's why it's so important for us to understand the scriptures. Understand, man, I got to hold fast to the things of God. I got to seek God on it. And he told us, get your guard up. Get your guard up. Because when you go home tonight to turn on TV, there will probably be something that will try to attack you. It'll probably try to come after you. And so it's the things of the world. But remember, I'm not of the world. I'm not of the world. And I wish I could go farther, but, but 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than the source that's behind the world. And so each one of us, and man, we're going to keep getting into this. Even next week, we're going to go deeper and we're going to look at this because I believe each one of us, we got to take responsibility for our own lives. But guys, we got we got to pray over our kids. we got to pray over our children, our teenagers. Because they're, they are being bombarded with stuff that me and you were never tempted with. Why? Because the scriptures talk about how lawlessness, rebellion will abound. Well, who do you think the author of lawlessness and rebellion is? It's the devil. And you know what? He's going to keep abounding. He's going to keep raising things until Jesus comes back. He knows his time is limited here. And so, he, man, he's working overtime. Stand on your feet with me. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you.